this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the Welcome to the Kingdom Voice broadcast with Dr. Dana Carson. Today's message is coming from the powerful series, The Kingdom and the Power of Worship and Praise. In today's message, Dr. Carson teaches us that worshiping properly is critical in the message entitled, All I Have for My King is Praise, Part 1, coming from Psalms chapter 22, verses 1 through 3. Now, this is this psalm is what we call a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that uh, depicts uh, Christ's uh, passion on the cross. This is one of the last seven words. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Some of you may have thought that he said that uh, strictly out of his pain. But even on the cross, while Christ was experiencing excruciating pain, he was quoting the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like, you may have thought that God, he felt like God wasn't with him. And like, you know, his humanity got a hold of him and, and, and he was exasperated and just said, Why have you forsaken me? He was merely quoting the scriptures. Now, the Psalter writes this, so it has, it has a messianic emphasis and a prophetic tone because it was utilized as one of the last seven sayings of Christ on the cross. Now, but what's interesting here is that, of course, this psalm has a dual purpose. The Psalter, who is writing, some believe this would be David, a Davidic psalm, the Psalter is expressing his own anguish, his, his own tension, and I consider this to be kind of a, 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 a psalm of tension, but uh, that leads to resolve. So here, <clears throat> why do I say that? In Psalm 22, 1 and 2, you see the writer expressing discontent about the, disposi- the disposition and the response of God concerning his context but so in essence he starts off complaining now you know what that's like you know what that's like God I ain't got enough money to pay my bills Lord every time I try to get up boom somebody knocked me down uh, Lord I didn't told you if you would just help me get through this I would be the best servant you ever had and Lord as soon as I get over this and Lord I don't make enough money and Lord look at this woman that I didn't committed myself to Lord she a monster now God I need help uh, Lord help me Lord help me and the, the, the sister saying Lord this man, look what he become. You know, he used to look like Billy D. Now he looked like E.T. and I want him to go on home. And, 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 now, and now, and you know, you're just complaining and complaining and complaining. And then, 
This is what the salt is doing. You know, stuff is happening. All this is going on. How many of y'all have some stuff going on? Come on now. How many of you got some stuff going on? Lord, I, I was faithful. I tithed. I gave. I, I did this, Lord. I, I try to do the best I can with my children. And I try to do the best I can with my church. And it seems like, Lord, you don't hear me. And God, I'm praying. So I know it's not because I'm praying. Because I pray in the day and it's at night. I'm not silent. I'm still praying. So now, now watch this. But something happens in all of this. In verse 3, a but comes. So now he gets a rhema that, you know, all this complaining ain't getting me nowhere. Look to your neighbor and say, all this complaining ain't getting me nowhere. So even though I might want to talk about it, even though I want to be negative, even though I need to get it out, even though, I, even though I need to let somebody know, I need to understand in reality all of this negativity and complaining ain't getting me nowhere. So you need to stop all of your complaining and get over it. Now, because this is what he says about God. How many of you really want an audience with God? Honestly. How many of you really would like to know that when you are praying, that the Lord is giving you his undivided attention. Now, let me, let me say this something about God. See, God is uh, omniscient. He knows all things. And he's omnipresent. Okay? And he's omnipotent. So, he's all-powerful. He knows all things. He's every place at the same time. Now, God can give you his undivided attention while giving the world his undivided attention. Okay, that's God. Okay, I want you to understand. That's God. So, if you really want an audience with God, or if you can set it up, like for instance, some of you, you do, you have skill sets or you have something that you really believe that if I could put my gift in front of the right person, then it's over. How many of you ever felt like that? If the boss really know what I was doing, if he really understood that it ain't my supervisor doing all this, it's me. If he really understood the, the stuff I was doing, it'd be over. If I could only get in front of him. Some of you wish you could meet movie stars, athletes, entertainers. And if you met them, they would shake your hand and take a picture with you, and that would be the end of that experience. That's how it goes. But what if the God that said, let there be light, and there was light, uh, the God that created the earth, the heavens, and all therein. What if there was a way that you could stop talking to the God out there and start talking to the God that is near? What, what, what if there's a way? What if you could get off out of philosophical religion 
to spiritual encounters with God. Now, I want you to understand, you may say, well, Dr. Carson, what are you getting at? I'm saying to you, proximity. You want to get in proximity. You know, you go to uh, athletic events or concerts. The closer you sit to the action, the more the seat costs. Some of you don't even, you go to athletic events, but you never go to the game because you can't see none of it for that $10 ticket. You can't. You be like, who is that? Look like ants out there on the field. Now, God wants to be close to you and you want to be close to God. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man go to the Father but by me. This is a messianic psalm. This is a messianic psalm. And this is what it says. <clears throat> God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, or it says he is enthroned. Everybody say enthroned. enthroned. I'm going to teach you this week, um, this month, how to get an audience with God. I'm, I'm going to teach you that. I'm going I'm to teach you that. I also want to let you know how to get an appointment declined. And I can tell you that right now real quick and won't have to deal with it no more. Look to your neighbor and say the way to get your appointment declined with God is to complain. Complaining is an offense to God. How do you know what you ain't complain what you were complaining about? How do you know that's not God's will? And that's not a cog in the wheel to get you to the next level. Ain't nobody gotta make you feel good in order to get you successful. Successful success is painful. It's a process. You can't have a good marriage until you have a bad one. That's the reason some people don't have nothing yet. You can't have a good marriage until you have a bad one. When you come to, I, I was sharing with my daughter the other day, some of the steps of relationships. I said, a step of a the steps of a relationship, baby, is euphoria. That's step number one. It's not, you can't bypass it. It's, you become euphoric. You have all of these uh, 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 thoughts of what is going to be, all these thoughts of grandeur that will never be. So everything you think is going to be, it's not going to be. So you have euphoria. And then after the euphoric state, you go then to reality. Then you deal with, this ain't what I thought. <laughs> then you now deal with reality. And then you now have to negotiate, compromise, or terminate. Which means now you have to decide whether or not I can exist in this reality that differs from my euphoria. Because what you make commitment on is euphoria. But what you live in is reality. Okay, so now, God wants relationship with you. And many of you have a euphoric understanding 
about what it means to have a relationship with God. And so when you come to God, you think you're going to have all good times because he's got all power. He never told you that. He told you quite the difference. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, not of the evil. Righteous people are afflicted. Uh-oh, see, she said, this is wrong religion, man. I need a religion that ain't of affliction. Now listen, so many are the afflictions of the righteous, but then what does it say? But the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. So, so just think about that. So what does that say? If I've got to be afflicted and he's going to deliver me, it says then if he's going to deliver me out of affliction, he could have prevented affliction from coming. But the fact that he delivers me out of affliction and doesn't prevent affliction from happening suggests that affliction is important. So affliction must be a part of my process. And so without affliction, I can't be what God wants me to be. So I have to embrace affliction and in the midst of affliction, I have to say he will deliver me out of this all. So therefore... In all things, I've got to learn to give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Now, if you want to have an audience with God, the first thing you're going to have to embrace is the sovereignty of God. Look to your neighbor and say the sovereignty of God. Now tell him God can do whatever he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to, and to whom he wants to do it with. God is not bound by your individual prejudices and biases and wants, expectation, needs, pains, happinesses. God is not bound by any of that. God operates out of omniscience. What he knows, not what he thinks. You and I operate out of what we think and what we hope. God operates on what he knows. Being omniscient means God knows time past, time now, time future. So there is nothing that is going to happen that has not already happened with God. There is nothing that has happened that God ever forgets. There is nothing that is happening that once was not happening and God knew it before it happened and now is ha while it's happening. He knows all things. So you have to embrace the sovereignty of God. Since he knows all things, he sets up all things. So that means then God has to be respected. Now, as I begin this series on the kingdom and the power of worship and praise, I must establish for you first that the Bible is a book of covenants. Let everyone say, the Bible is a book of covenants. Come on, say it like you mean it. The Bible is a book of covenants. The Bible is a book of covenant established by God who is known as King. This is important. This is why so many people disrespect the idea of God, 
the personhood of God and the presence of God. Because you simply know God as rescuer. You see God as savior. That's how you see him. So in your mind, psychologically, there is no fear for God. There is no reverence for God. There is no respect for God. Because you see God as the savior. I see you when you see God as savior you see him as someone who gets you out of trouble you see him as someone that makes sure you don't go to hell you see him as someone that gets your enemies you see him as someone who helps you meet your budget you see him as someone that helps you well the Bible doesn't start off with the energy uh, of God being savior the Bible presents God as being king. And you have to understand that the Bible presents God as king. The Hebrew culture and Semitics in antiquity or ancient times referred to God as El Elyon. Everybody say El Elyon. The most high God. So... In the Bible, in the Older Testament, in the Semitic context, when they thought about God, they thought about God as the most high God. The Bible then presents God as king. The Hebrew, the, the Hebrew culture, or the Semitic, the Jews, uh, who were Semitic people, they considered God the most high God. The Bible presents God as king from Genesis to Revelation. So... When you start in Genesis, the conversation of king, you see in Genesis uh, 14, I believe, Melchizedek. Melech, which means king in Hebrew. Sadiq, which means righteousness. So Melchizedek, Melech Sadiq, means king of righteousness. He's called the king of Salem. He's the king of righteousness. He doesn't have a lineage. We don't know where he comes from, nor do we know where he goes to. So it is considered in theology as a pre-manifestation of Christ. So this is a theophanic experience where God actually appears in the form of a man here. And so we see the concept of king. You have to understand God as king. If you don't understand God as king, you'll never, ever know how to praise God. So you got you to you hear me now. It ain't just about paying no fast music and dancing. That's not, that's not necessarily a praise. Now, when we look at the book of Revelations, the book of Revelations closes with God being king. The book of Genesis opened with God being king. It opens with God being king. The book of Revelations closed with God being king. So why do you only know him as Savior? See, this tells you that something's happening. There's some destiny. There's something, there's something happening in the book that ain't happening in us. We, he starts off as king. He ends in king. But for us, he's Savior. Now, if we wanted to say, well, that was Old Testament. In Old Testament, then uh, he may have been king, but in the New Testament, he became Savior. But Revelations is the New Testament. Right. And he's king. All right? So now, so we must understand who God is as king 
not simply as Savior in order to present an appropriate praise. He is Lord and Savior. He is King and Lamb. So in Romans 10 and 9 it says, If you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then it says what? You shall be saved. Now, I want you to understand, it says it uses Lord as a noun, it uses Savior as a verb. It says if you would confess with your mouth the Lord, now, that's a noun, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be so so saved. He's using it as a verb. So it is critical that you understand Lord is who he is, saving is what he does. So he's Savior by default, he's Lord by character and nature. Okay, are you hearing me? You got to get this now. Lord is who he is, Savior is what he does. He was Lord in the Old Testament. He became the Savior for humanity in the New Testament. But in order to bring him into your life or him to come into your life, you must confess him as Lord. The word Lord is curion, master, Lord, ruler. That means then you cannot serve God and enjoy salvation without first making him your ruler. Okay, like for instance, you take Justin here. Come here, Justin. You take Justin here. Now, if Justin is about to get in some trouble here, Armando, stand right there. Now, there's Armando. Let's say Armando is about to do this son, this child here, some great damage, okay? Now, he doesn't know that he's about to get some great damage done to him, okay? Now, he doesn't know Armando's got a special set of skills that's going to take him out real quick, along with some equipment. Now, now, I... Save him from this. Don't do, do that. I, can, I have him to avoid this. Now, I did what to him? Now, if he considers to listen to me, continues to listen to me, I can continue to save him. But in order for him to con continue to listen to me, he has to interpret me a certain way. But now, if he doesn't see me as someone who can rule on his behalf, and he doesn't look at my salvation as only one act of a many he's going to need throughout life, then you know, over time, what he's going to do is stop following me, and he's going to run back into Armando, and now I can't help him no more because I saved him, but he never let me become his Lord. I never became Lord. I got him out of a situation, but I couldn't keep him out of a lifestyle. Y'all not. I, 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 I brought him out of a circumstance, but I couldn't transform his life. So because I was simply his savior, all I did was buy him time for destruction. But had I become his Lord, 
I would have kept him from destruction. Thank you. again let me show set that scene back up come on Justin set that scene back up let me show you this so now so now I save him out of a circumstance I save him out of circumstance he sees Armando's got some stuff that could take him out he's scared I get him out I save him out of circumstance now when I save him out of his circumstance Justin is thankful only for his life so when he tells people the story, he'll say, the man helped me, but he'll be preoccupied of what could have happened to him. And, uh, and so he'd have been about, oh, man, oh, man, and this, 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 and this, and how I can't let that happen no more. So he gets into him because he didn't stay into me. Had he stayed into me, I could have continued to help him. But... Once he didn't stay into me, he just, you know, thanked me one time for getting him out of that. He's appreciative, but he doesn't have a lifetime of thanks. Because I only, he only used me one time. See, when you talk about praise, it's tied to you seeing God as your forever king. So, not only do I thank him for delivering me from a mondo, I see that he delivered me from Tyree, and I see that he delivered me from Lord, from Norm, and I see that he delivered me from Patrice. And so now, every time he thinks about the goodness of the Lord, this, y'all not hearing me, he has a praise. See, many of you only thank God for one-time deliverance. Come on. Now, so now, when you understand, you can sit. Thank you. When you understand that God is king forever, then you have a honor and a, an appreciation and a respect for him that causes you not to go negative on him. See, it's something wrong with the child who has caring, supportive, loving parents going negative on their parents. Something wrong with that. See, you don't go negative on that which preserves. Okay, I, 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 Lord, you got to help me. I gotta, I'm working hard. You don't go negative on that which preserves. In fact, when that which preserves is responsible in your mind for where you are, then because of the history and the track record of preservation, you always give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, why would I believe they brought me this far to leave me? Why would I believe they delivered me from that just to kill me in this? See, when you understand God is king, you don't get all these little immature, complaining attitudes that causes your walk with God to be zigzag. Based on what's going good or what's going bad. When things are going good, God is good. 
When things are going bad, I don't know why you're so far from me. I've been praying and you don't hear my prayers. Look at so-and-so. They ain't been faithful. I've been to the church helping in the transition. I ain't seen them yet. And they come to church with a smile and a full tank of gas. I almost had to walk here, Lord. I just don't. Listen, now. You know, so. So. See, this is important because when you understand that the Bible is a kingdom book written by the king presenting his royal decrees and history, you begin to relate to God differently. You begin to see, oh, it's so much. So many dynamics when you stand to teach the word of God in your context. There's so many dynamics. See, colonization messed your mind up. It messed all our minds up. I just got free. Now, this mind. Okay. Don't be rubbing no other man's sweat on me. Listen, so. <laughs> listen, so. Colonization messed us up. So, let's take, for instance, let's take slavery. Slavery prevented God from being king. You couldn't see God as king. It only, it only provided one dimension, Savior. Okay, y'all not hearing me. Save us out of this. Please, Master, get us out of this. Please, Lord, get us out of this. Now, you couldn't see in colonization and slavery the concept of Lord and King because there was not a structure in which you could obey God directly. So, when I start telling you See God as king. That's, that's, that's a jump for you. You don't even realize it. You don't even know why. So, once you got freed from earthly masters, you decided no one would ever be a master in your life. So now relationships are about who can help me. If you can't help me get where I want to be, if you can't help me go where I want to go, you are of no use to me. Well, see, that's not a kingdom context. You, will, you can never serve the God of the Bible with that kind of attitude and mentality because that's not the structure of the scripture. He does what he wants to do, to whom he wants to do, when he wants to, and guess what? And he doesn't provide an explanation. See, that's one of the problems. You're taking all of this cultural stuff and you're trying to throw it in on God. Like for me, I'm sorry, I'm old school. I just happen to believe I ain't got to give my child all my time and attention explaining to them what I want them to do. I said, go sit down. You better not ask me why. I ain't got time to tell you why I got a world to govern. Why? 
See, here's the problem. See, that's why many of you can't serve God. Because he ain't never answered your why. Because you don't know how to relate to a king. So some of you pissed off. You only come to church because you have scared. You have scared you're going to burn in hell. When you need to be whole scared. What you understand? You explain to me why you take time, get in the car, drive somewhere, put on clothes, and you know good and well the man you're going to hear, you ain't going to do jack what he says. You know good and well you ain't going to pick up the book after you go home. What makes you come? What makes you come? Oh, listen here, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to talk to you. What makes you come? That's what I call a waste of time. Like, for instance, if I'm going to go to an event, I'm not going to, if I'm going to go to a movie, I'm not going to pay $12 to go in the movie and Robert talk to me the whole time. I'm going to slap him upside his head. Listen, listen, if he don't shut up, I'm going to slap him upside his head. Listen, but why am I going to pay $12 to go to a movie so we can talk? We need, to, we need to work on our relationship. Maybe we had a movie. But I'm saying we don't ever talk. We had a movie. I mean, we, I mean why are you going to go to the movie and want to now talk? Some, that's crazy, right? So it's crazy to go to church and not going to pick up this book and live by it. It's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And, and it's self-manipulation. You're creating a euphoria about eternity that you're going to be offended by in reality and it'll be too late for compromise. Wow. Listen, I know that uh, you were blessed and I know you didn't want me to stop. However, you need to get the book that, uh, that complements this uh, series, The Kingdom and the Power of worship and praise <clears throat> you want to get a copy it will bless you if you uh, are a believer if you especially in a worship music ministry you you want to get a copy of this and also possibly just order the entire city uh, series as well a mp3 mp4 CD DVD whatever format you want it in but it will be a blessing to your life. It will encourage you and it will instruct you on how to really uh, <clears throat> create an atmosphere in which God steps in. I know you're going to be blessed all this week as we talk about the kingdom and the power of worship and praise. I want to pray, but just before I pray, I want to really, really challenge you today to be a blessing, be a blessing to this broadcast. We bring ministry teaching to you all the time, and my staff is so diligent and faithful in uh, helping to execute uh, this level of ministry. And I'm asking that you would support the work. Support any seed. There's no seed too large, there's no seed too small. Uh, and then also, um, Partner with Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries. Be a partner and, and, and go with us around the world. 
because that's what we do at Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries. We take the gospel around the world as a witness, and then the end shall come, Matthew 24 and 14. Well, thank you so much for your support in advance. Thank you uh, for making sure that my voice remains heard, and that's possible when you sow a seed and support this work. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are listening to this teaching. God, I pray now that you would bless their lives from the teaching, and God, that you would uh, touch their situation, whatever it is, name by name, face by face, person by person, condition by condition. God, do it because your servant prays. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, we love you so much. Don't forget to support the work with a seed. And until tomorrow, this is going to be a powerful week. Shalom. The Kingdom Theological Seminary offers a quality yet affordable theological education for those seeking to increase their kingdom biblical knowledge. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the only seminary of its kind that provides biblical training with a kingdom of God emphasis based on the original context of Jesus, void of the effects of the Romanization, Europeanization, colonization, westernization, and Americanization of the gospel. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is what we consider a disruptive seminary that takes a holistic approach to theological training. KTS is designed to prepare students for actual hands-on instruction that is customized to each learner's need. Oftentimes, when students complete the traditional model of seminary, they are unable to use 85% of the things that they learned in actual ministry. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is designed to prepare the learner for 21st century ministry that is based on your interests and ministry areas of focus. KTS allows you to customize your education to fit your individual ministry needs. You can choose the certification modules or individual classes that can be applied toward your degree. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is truly disruptive. We don't force a set of unusable courses on you and waste your time and money. Instead, each student is able to put together their own cluster of certifications that best fit their ministry needs. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the seminary of the future and will rapidly secure a space in this 21st century ministry culture. It is designed to meet the needs of a plethora of new non-denominational church fellowships that desire their clergy to be trained in the most effective, efficient, and relevant manner possible, utilizing modern technology and cutting-edge methodologies. For more information about the Kingdom Theological Seminary or to enroll in the KTS waiting list for the fall semester, visit us at ktseminary.com. We are training 21st century kingdom leaders like you at the Kingdom Theological Seminary.